0: Welcome to another life-changing message from Pastor Vernell Jr. J.R. of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website, www.h4gchurch.com. When all the money was gone and they didn't use it right and they didn't have the wisdom, they didn't have the character, they, didn't, they couldn't handle the pressure, they couldn't handle all the people coming in and reaching in their pockets and, and then the houses they wanted to buy that they realized... You know, there's there's two prices for anything you buy. There's the purchase price and the maintenance price. And the maintenance price is always more than the purchase price. You can get stuff, but the problem is, can you maintain it when you get it? And so God is a God of process. Everybody say process? process. And we love the success, but God loves the process. And I had to learn To love what God loves so that I can learn how to have peace and how to have patience. Everybody say patience. Patience. So some of you right now, you're in in your process, you're in your transition season. There's four seasons and then there's a transition season. It's when God is taking you from here to there. And I believe that we're getting ready to cross over to there. There. But God is just getting us, building our hope. God wants you to not lose hope in this season. God does not want you to give up on that dream. God doesn't want you to give up on that plan. God does not want you to give up on that vision that what God has put on the inside of you, a promise, a dream. God wants you to get excited about it before it comes. But because because you see what God is taking you, He also wants you to learn how to enjoy the process. Enjoy your process. Today I'm going to talk about the qualities of winners. Last week I talked about um, the qualities of losers. This week I want to talk about the qualities of winners. Say, I am a winner. I winner." I I am destined to win. Come on church, you got to understand that winning is you were, you, were, you were programmed, I'm sorry, you were wired for success. You were wired to win. God created you to win. The fact that you were born, the fact that you, that you made it on earth means that you are a winner by virtue. We know that millions of sperm cells traveled in your mother's fallopian tubes. And found its way into a neck, but only one conceived. That's the winner. And that was you. (laughs) Come on, say, I made it. (laughs) I survived. (laughs) You're here. By virtue of being here, you are a winner. and God has destined you to win. God has purposed you to win. And we have, while we have been wired to win, wired to succeed, we come into a world that now programs us for failure. It's a difference. We are wired to succeed, but programmed to fail. Programmed to believe the wrong things about ourselves. Programmed to doubt, programmed to fear. And one of the things you got to learn how to do is renew your mind so that you can re-understand the the fact that because you are here and God sent you on this earth with a plan, with a purpose, um, and a destiny, that you're going to do all that it takes to come out on top and to win. Amen? God sees you and he wants you to know that you are called to win. Say, I'm going going to win. Now there is a need for you to also realize that the way god makes us win or the god causes the way god causes us to win may not always be the way we want to it may not be the way god, god the, the the way we want to And the bible says in proverbs 3 that we ought to trust in the lord with all of our hearts Lean not onto our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. And as he's directing us, we got to understand that he's leading us to win, not to fail. The problem is when we don't trust that God is for us and not against us, if we don't trust that, then we don't trust this process. Trust in the Lord first with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't depend or rely on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will direct your paths. I'm not going to acknowledge and lean on Him if I don't trust Him. And what I found out is, it's important that we understand His love for us so that we can learn to trust Him. Turn with me to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 37, and Ryan uh, started talking about it. The fact that we have been called to be conquerors on this earth. Romans 8, verse 37. Is it hot in here or is it just me? All right, can we turn the heat down a little bit, please? Romans eight 37. I'm going to read the NIV. NIV says this. No or nay in all these things we are more than conquerors. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Pay attention to that. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So part of conquering or winning in life is believing that God loves us. And then he says, for I am convinced or I am persuaded that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither what's present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, who is our Lord. And if that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what will. Paul is saying we can face any challenge, any circumstance, any problem, any trials, any adversity, any problem, and come out knowing that we are more than conquerors. But but you see, you, you have to realize that God is going to lead you. And I think religion has duped us into thinking that God is always going to lead us out of problems. No, God, the Holy Spirit doesn't just lead you out of problems. He leads you into some too. (laughs) Let me stretch you right now. The Holy Spirit doesn't just lead you out of troubles. There's some troubles he leads you into. Matthew 4, the Bible says that Jesus was baptized the chapter before. In the next verse, the Bible says, And the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I thought the Holy Spirit was supposed to lead us away from temptations. But the Bible says that the Spirit of God led Jesus into challenges, into a temptation, into a problem. Why? Why? First thing you've got to realize is this. God will never lead you into a battle you are not already equipped to win. So write that down, please. You've got to get this. When revelation is applied to your situation, transformation begins. You have to take the word of God and apply it. You want to know the fact, God, God if you're going to be a conqueror, then that means you need something to conquer. Come on, that's why he leads you into, into some trials, into some trouble, into some problems. It's, that, it's in that he's going to show you who you really are. Goliath didn't show up to destroy David. He showed up to reveal David. Your problems <laughs> your problems are a platform for God's glory to be revealed in you. Any problem God allows in your life is so that he can reveal who you really are as a conqueror. But if you don't realize this, you'll see a trouble like, why am I going through this? Why me? God, you let me go through this. What about him?
1: (laughs) What about her?
0: I propose to you, God has handpicked the problems and the trouble he'll allow you to go through. And he handpicked it because he wants you to know you've already been equipped to win that fight. That's why you're going through something I'm not going through. My trials don't look like your trials. My trouble doesn't look like your trouble. But whatever God allows you to go through, it's because he's already equipped you to win, to show you that you are more than a conqueror through him. Say, my problems are my platform. Glory to God. Glory to God. But it's important that you realize God does not just lead you out of trouble. He actually leads you into some trouble. God is preparing you to win. He's preparing you to overcome. And it's the word of God that actually equips you to win in these challenges. And to become a, a winner, it means I have to go through. I must engage in some temptation, some trials, some competition, some battles, and some warfare. The Bible actually tells us what our weapon is. The Bible says in our Ephesians 6 that he gives us the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I think I mentioned before, why would God give you a sword if he doesn't want you to kill something? Why will God give you a sword if he doesn't want you to fight? If you're in the fight of your life today, church, God told me to tell you, you're about to win the fight. God has already anointed you to win. And all it takes is for you to shift in your thinking to realize, I am already a winner. You see, here's the deal. Another thing you got to realize about the way God wants you to win is that God God says that the, the, the hope we have to win comes from knowing that we do what we do in Jesus' name. Now, what does that mean? It means that our hope and our strength to go through battles in life comes from knowing that his victory is my victory. His breakthrough was my breakthrough. That His his triumph was my triumph. So the Bible says, now thanks be to God who causes us to triumph in his name. So the difference between you and the rest of the world is that you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. Why? Because Jesus said, I'm giving you my victory so that you can go through and, and win And you can come out on top based off of my victory. What did Jesus overcome? The greatest victory of all. The grave. That when Jesus died on the cross, went to the grave and rose again, his victory over death was the greatest victory. People have overcome a lot of things, but no one can overcome the the death. No one can overcome the grave. And when Jesus rose again from the grave, there was, there, that meant that there was no power in hell. There's no power on earth. There is no power in the universe that can stop him. And now he says that that victory becomes your victory. That's what salvation is about. Romans 10, if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and that he was raised from the dead. He's talking about his victory. If you believe his victory, then you shall be saved. If you believe in his victory, you're saved. From what? He didn't have to tell you what? Anything. <laughs> there is nothing. There is no trial. There's no problem that his victory cannot make you a victor, a victor to. There is nothing. A financial hardship is nothing compared to the grave. A disappointment, an emotional heartbreak is nothing compared to the grave. Come on, Compare and contrast (laughs) If you're sick right now And you're still alive It's not compared to the grave There is nothing HIV, cancer, tumor Doesn't matter what it is If you believe in your heart That Christ was raised from the dead Victory If you believe his victory God says then you will be saved That's the prerequisite Believe and you shall be saved Believe and he will save you out he will save you out of your debt. He will save you out of hardship. He will save you out of, out of out of that heartbreak. He will save you out of that divorce. He will save you out of that pain. It doesn't matter what it is. But what we are going through, the church, God, not, God has not allowed it for you to be stopped by it. He allowed it so that you can be propelled by it. Many people make excuses as to why they can't win. Why they can't be champions. Why they can't be be world changers. They think they're not smart enough. They think they're not spiritual enough. They don't pray enough. Not strong enough. Not liked enough by people. Don't have enough connections. And we find all the reasons why we can't win. But what I love about God is that God loves to take nobodies. And turned them into somebodies. God loves to take chumps and wimps and turn them into winners. You read the Bible. The people that God called thought that they were not worthy. They were not good enough. They didn't qualify for it. And the Bible says that he turned these men, fishermen. And turned them into world changers. Look at um, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27. 1 Corinthians 1 27. Actually, 26 from the NIMB, the Bible says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. (laughs) Some of you, I don't want to think about that. (laughs) But he says this, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God loves to take those who the world will overlook and use them because they're not they not putting any value on their own strength. If I can take someone who doesn't feel qualified to preach and turns tells them to preach, they won't take the glory. God took a man by the name of Moses who was a murderer on the run and said, Moses, I'm calling you to now go back to the place that you're running from to be the deliverer of those people. He didn't feel qualified to do it. And he gave God every excuse he could find to say why he shouldn't be the person that God will use. And you, what I love about that is all your excuses are the very reasons why God wants to use you. I said your excuse is the reason why God wants to use you. I don't think God caught that. Your excuse is why God wants to use you. The person who believes that they want to do what God told them to do, usually God doesn't doesn't use them. That's what happened with the Pharisees. They thought that they were the ones that Jesus should have been using. Not the fishermen the unlearned, the unskilled, the untrained. How could Jesus say, I'm about to preach and I'm going to get fishermen and overlook the people who were in the school studying how to preach? He didn't use not one theologian. He didn't use not one uh, uh, Jewish scholar. He didn't use anyone from the Jewish synagogues. He went and found fishermen to say, y'all going to preach my gospel for me hallelujah God took the overlooked the misfits and says I'm going to use them for my glory that's his plan that's his model and that's why you got to be patient when you come to church because that's the people who God is going to call and use and bring to church are not perfect people and you got to be patient with the person sitting next to you and don't judge people for their chapter one. Come on. Because you don't see that in the next chapter, God is about to raise up a Peter next to you. God is getting ready to raise up a giant killer next to you. Woo! You can't judge people for where they are right now. If somebody has a hunger in and and their heart for God to use them, you better watch out. Because you don't know what God is about to do in that person's life. You don't know what God is about to do in your life. <laughs> God is bigger than your worst mistake, church. He's better than your worst day. God is more powerful than your worst circumstances. There is nothing in your life right now that disqualifies you from God to being used by Him. Nothing. You could have failed all your classes in school and God will still call you.
1: <laughs>
0: but you know what I realized? God is looking at something else, right? He doesn't, he's not just looking at our academics. He's not just looking at our, our intellectualism. What is God looking for? What what do you think God saw in Peter and those guys that he didn't see in the Pharisees? What was God looking at? Their heart. heart. And what you find in a person's heart is their character. There were certain characteristics that the uh, disciples possessed that he knew the Pharisees didn't have. And that's why, once again, as we talk about this, and I'm going to give you the qualities of winners now. What did Jesus see in the disciples that he said, I want to use these men because I knew I can, he knew he can use them and not use the Pharisees. What disqualified them and what qualified uh, the, the disciples. You ready? These, some of these qualities or these qualities are what God is looking for. And these qualities are not just what he's looking for. Some of these qualities is what he actually instills in us actually when we begin to serve him. So the first thing I wrote, qualities of, of winners. Number one, winners believe the best about themselves. Write that down. Winners believe the best about themselves. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, Amen. so we see. If I think, in, think of myself as, a, as insignificant, then I am. If I think in my heart that I'm not qualified, I'm not enough, I'm not worthy, then I'm. Whatever the Bible whatever you think in your heart, so are you. It doesn't mean it's true, but it's true for you. See, one of the things you gotta realize is that. What's more powerful than a prophetic word that somebody gives you is the thoughts you think about yourself. Your own thoughts will be your prophet. Your own thoughts will prophesy your destiny to you. If you don't learn how to think for yourself and allow God's thoughts to become your thoughts, then what you believe about yourself is going to be your destiny. That's what happened with the people of Israel. The Bible says that God showed them the promised land they looked for 40 days and came back and he said, Lord, we were grasshoppers in their sight. And so we were. So here's the deal. God needs you to see something about yourself. Watch this. You are saved when you believe in Jesus, but you are changed when you realize Jesus believes in you. That's the, that's the next step that I feel in the body of Christ. That Jesus, God wants you to know how much He believes in you. We talk about how much we believe in Him, but He needs you to know how much He believes in you right now. You know how much God believes in you? He believes in you enough to die for you. He didn't destroy you. He didn't throw you away when you messed up. But instead, He chose to die for you, to restore you, to save you. See, if, if this bottle of water was defective, I no longer want it, I'll just throw it away. I'm not going to save it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why Jesus saved us Even after we sinned, even after we went rogue, even after we rebelled, even after we became his enemies, even after we were defective, the reason why he saved us is because the value he saw in this thing was priceless. It was worth so much so that I'm going to allow my son to come and die for it, to restore it. When you restore something, it means you want to save it. You want to bring it back to life. I don't want to let go of it. I don't want to, I don't want to destroy it. You see this? If you love, like, ladies, if you have a handbag and it was your favorite bag and it got messed up, you will find whatever you can do to save it. <laughs> you'll find a, a, um, a shoemaker, or you'll find somebody or reupholstery. I don't know what you guys use, but whatever you could do to try to keep that thing—that's what couches, right? That ain't for bags. <laughs> But you do whatever you can to save that thing. This is my favorite bag, my favorite shoe. I want to hold on to it. That's what God is doing for us right now, saving us. Because he sees the value in us. Say, Jesus believes in me. Jesus believes in me. Hallelujah. You walk around bragging about how much we believe in God. No, I want you to start bragging about how much God believes in you now. How much He believes in you? He gave you the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus believed in you enough to give you the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to live in you. So not only did He believe in you, He trusts you. He trusted you enough so that His Spirit, His eternal Spirit, will take up residence on the inside of you. Do you not think He knew the mistakes you would make before He put the Spirit in you? He knew the mistakes you will make, yet He still said, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit live there. Why? Because He trusts you. He believes in you. He sees more in you than you currently see for yourself. He, gave, he believes in you so much that He gave you the keys of the kingdom. You don't give keys to somebody you don't trust. God trusts you, church. He, he believes in you. He loves you and believes in you. Do you understand that? Yes, and I want you to begin to see how much God believes in you. He knows you're a winner. He knows your call to win. He knows what he called you to succeed in. So if no one else believes in you, realize Jesus believes in you. Amen. What else does that prove? Number two, winners have a high self-worth winners have a high self-worth winners have a healthy self-image and a healthy self-worth that naturally comes out of understanding that you believed in that's the process of developing champions by the way the way jesus turned those fishermen into world changers was by believing in them he believed in peter he believed in john he believed in those guys and he, he didn't he didn't throw them away right They messed up plenty of times, but he kept believing in them. And in the process of saying, I believe in you, John. I believe in you, Peter. I believe in you, Andrew. As he kept saying, I'm believing in them and empowering them at the same time. All of a sudden, they had a new sense of self-worth. To the point where towards the end of Jesus' death, they started arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. When you hang around Jesus, you begin to feel good about yourself. I question people who've been in church for 20 years and don't love themselves. You are not hanging around the God I know. How can you hang around God who is love and not love yourself? The true sign of a healthy connection to God is a healthy self- sense of self-worth. You cannot hang around Jesus and not stop loving yourself. Not start believing in yourself because his voice is the voice of love. Your self-image comes from your self-concept and your self-concept comes from the one who gives you your image. And G- Genesis 1.26, we know it tells us we were created in the image and likeness of God. Amen. So if God looks at himself, has at how God sees himself should be the way I see myself. The way God sees himself is the way you should see yourself. one more time say God believes in me God believe in look at somebody next to you say God believes in you, God believes in you. therefore I believe in you too God number three winners are inspired by challenges winners are inspired by challenges by, 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 by competition, by, by trials, by battles, by warfare, by adversity. These things shouldn't scare you away if you're more than a conqueror. Remember, the Lord told me a few years ago, he said, problems are not evil, problems are practice. God wants me to reign in life and he's using my trials as practice. I learn how to reign. I learn how to overcome with my trials. The Amens alone that. Amen. Start to learn to love your problems. That's what I want you to say. That's what I want you to get. Learn to love your problems. If you don't have any problems and you don't have any trials, then you can't evaluate or discover the winner on the inside of you. Winners need a problem. Winners need trials. Winners need a challenge. That's what Ryan was talking about rivalry. If I don't have any problems and I don't know if I'm a winner or not, I'm a winner because I won something. I conquered it. I came out on top. Come on. That's right. Come on. Wow. When you put the religion out the way and you see real life, problems don't start coming, right? The problems don't stop coming. They keep coming. They keep coming. Why? because that's how much God wants your victory to keep coming. Wow. wow! No days off. See, we wanna roll, we wanna go to sleep and hope that the problem goes away tomorrow. Amen. We wanna put our head in the sand and just pray it away. Some problems you're not gonna pray away. Some problems you're gonna have to show up and you're gonna have to stand and you're gonna confess the word. And you're going to declare the word of God. You're going to take the sword and you're going to go to war. There's something you got to fight, church. We fight the what? Good fight, Good fight of what? Faith. Of faith. Come on. So not only were you born to win, you were born in a war. You were born into a war. That we come out on top and win. And we're supposed to learn how to win at home. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen. But then you can come to the house of God. And when we stop talking about sinning and start talking about winning, then we'll start producing more winners in the body of Christ who can go into the world and begin to win. Come on. Let me give you a few more points. Winners are teachable. Winners are teachable. Winners are learners, they seek help. Winners are teachable. And to be teachable, you have to be humble. So you could put that in parentheses. Winners learn, they take time to learn, which leads me to my next point, number five. Winners love to practice. Winners practice. Winners practice, they train. Winners train, and you know what? There's two things that winners learn to do when they practice. If you ever study uh, 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 basketball or sports, and you study how uh, how teams how teams train, teams love to practice. Um, they practice through drills. They will go through drills. Um, anybody played any sports in here? You go through drills, and you do. Oh, we got a lot of athletes in here. You do trills, you do um, 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 exercises, etc. And then another thing you do after that is that um, in teams, you actually go through real game situations. You actually go through the scenarios that you're actually going to experience in the game. What's the point of that? It's so that when you actually face these challenges, you are already prepared. You already know what you're going to do. You already know how you're going to come out on top. And so what happens is, in the body of Christ, we have not been training effectively or preparing people for what they're going to face in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on. Prayer time, for hours, good training, is, a, is just one aspect of it. But you got to learn what to do. So now, okay, I'm going to teach you. One of the things we love to do at H4G is, all right, you learn how to pray in church, but now we're going to go outside, and we're going to pray for somebody on the street.
1: Yeah.
0: And let's see what happens. And then you guess what? What happens? You could have prayed for an hour and a half on the mic in church. But when you get to meet somebody in, in, in the street, guess what happens? First of all, they're not going to sit there with you for an hour and a half to pray. So you got to learn. And then number two, you just can't pray in tongues the whole time, right? So number three, then you realize, well, I got to make it plain for them. So I'm I'm not going to pray over their head using all of the the Bible knowledge I know. I'm going to pray in such a way that they're going to understand what I'm saying. All of a sudden it starts making sense. Because now you're bringing what you've been practicing at home into the streets. And what you need in the streets is not everything you need at home. But you practice longer at home so that when you get into the streets you can be able to deliver quickly. you practice what the NFL teams train for what? how many hours in a week you will say <laughs> they train a the whole week <laughs> for how long is the game two hours. for a two-hour game isn't it amazing that you have to train and practice longer than the actual moment So if you're going to learn how to win and learn how to come out on top, you got to learn how to value practice and training. And and that's why H4G, we're continuing it as we are an equipping church and we are a church that loves to to train and and to raise up believers because I feel like this is a lost element in the body of Christ today. We are taking this seriously because most of us, God wants us to learn that we can be a call to reign in life. We're not just called to reign in church. Amen but we got to learn how to go into life with the keys to win. And I made that quote last week by um, Damian Lillard. Who remembers it? Guys, remember that? Eddie, you remember it? No. (laughs) What you think it was? I can't remember. i give $5 for anybody who remembers that. Everybody Corey got it. What's that? <laughs> 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 Something like that. Oh, I got it. I got that was
1: close.
0: <laughs> he paraphrased it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Ron you got it? No, I go first. You said it, go we, it. Go. we share. We share. Go Wait, on. Ron is saying it. You gotta practice. Close, Nefi. <laughs> no Come on, nephew got it. She got it. That's it. Yes, yeah, she ready. She taking notes. Y'all supposed to be taking notes, huh? Right. Say it again. One
1: more time. If you want to look good in front of thousands, you have to outwork thousands in front of in front of no one. Where do I collect my five dollars? <laughs>
0: A, the check is in the mail. <laughs> I'm saying the check. <laughs> if you want to look good in front of thousands, you got to outwork, thou, outwork thousands. thousands in front of nobody. And, and Corey said something. <laughs> you say if you want to look good in the light. <laughs> Practice in the dark. <laughs> That's a Corey original. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> All right, two more. Last one is it? Two more. Number six winners learn how to fail. This is very important that you catch that. Winners learn how to fail. It was Michael Jordan who said, I missed more shots than I've, than I've made. I've missed more shots. Then I've made. The book of Proverbs tells us that the righteous fall seven times. But what? Get, up. Get back up again. We learn how to fail and learn that. that is a, there's a phrase today that's become unpopular. That says you got to learn how to fail forward. Fail forward. fail Not failing backwards, but failing forward. You're failing into where you want to go because there, there, there can be no success without failure. That the way you learn is by failing, amen? amen? You have to do trial and error, and there's some things you're going to get right and some things you won't get right, but it's the part of the process. And uh, believing, knowing that God believes in you is important because that allows you to realize that your failures or your mistakes is not the end. Amen. If you know that he believes in you. So learning how to, how to fail is important, and uh, I have a whole teaching on that. I'm not going to really go in depth in that. But it's so critical. If you, if you understand that the righteous fall seven times, notice he says the righteous fall. That means that even after you are saved and even after you become right with God, you will fall. The righteous fall seven times. And seven is the number of completion. So you will fall, but then he says What? But they get back up. The reason why a righteous man or woman can get back up after their fall is because they know that their fall is not their identity. Don't let your fall become your identity. You are bigger than your mistake. You are bigger than your failure. You're bigger than your fall. And I understand it's a part of me growing into who God has called me to be that I will fall seven times. But it's in the rising up again. It's in the getting back up again that actually calls you, that allows you to know that you are righteous. When you understand you never lose, you'll never give up. When you understand you'll never lose, you'll never give up. It's always too early to quit. Let me give you the last point. Winners. Winners think team. Winners think team. If you're gonna be a winner, then you have to understand that that you have to learn how to build a team, you have to learn how to build relationships, you got to learn how to do life with others. You have to learn how to do life with others. And once again, this is why the body of Christ is so important to the um, development of our future and the development of our destiny as winners. Because our successes are, in, are, are from an individual standpoint is not for us. I have succeeded in something so that you can so that you can succeed in it. And vice versa, you succeed in something so that I can enjoy the success that you experience. And that's why we celebrate one another. Thank you, that's why we celebrate one another. When I hear about your breakthrough and I hear about your story, I'm excited about that. Come on, we're on the same team. We're not competing against each other. We are believing for the best from each other and we're expecting to see each other come out on top. You tell me about your dream, I'm praying for your success. I'm praying for your win. And I'm I'm desiring to see you win because your brilliance shines on me when we're on the same team. So as I close, there's no showboats in the kingdom.
1: There's
0: no showboats in the kingdom. And the victory that we all have, number one, this is the, the final point, as in Christ, the ultimate winner is Jesus. And all of our wins come from him. And if we remember that, then there's no need for someone to try to take the shine. We don't boast in ourselves, but we boast in him. We boast in the Lord. He is, our, he is the one who causes us to triumph. He's the one who causes me to win. So I want you to think about any adversity right now, any trial that you are in, that you are faced with, that God has allowed for you to experience, to go through. And I want you to begin to look at that thing. as not a, not a problem that you should, while it is frustrating, while it is something you wish you can just get rid of right now and take a magic pill and just it all go away. I want you to realize that if God is allowing it, it's because he's allowing it to train you, to prepare you for another one to come. And as you learn the lesson in the problem, then you are able to receive the blessing.
1: Amen.
0: You cannot move on to the blessing until you learn the lesson. Everything that's happening in your life right now, there's a, there's a, a lesson and a blessing in it. Come on. You want the blessing, learn the lesson. You can't change your season until then. You're gonna stay in the wilderness. You can stop playing V. You can stay, you're gonna be staying in the wilderness. Going around and round in circles over and over again until you learn the lesson. Say, I am a winner. I am an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror. I see victory. I seize victory. I will run after my Goliaths. See, you you know the word is working in you when your boldness starts to surprise you. Yes. When all of a sudden, the one thing you used to run away from, now you want to actually run to it. Yes. The storm you used to cry and scream about, you go to sleep in it. You know when the Word starts working, when your boldness surprises you. Hallelujah. And you know when the Word isn't working... When something is causing panic and fear and anxiety to rise up in you. I want to pray for you right now that if, if you are struggling, if you are fearful about a storm, a battle, a trial that has been plaguing you right now. And you know you're battling with that fear and that anxiety and you're worried about if you're going to win. I want you to stand right now. And I just want to pray the grace of God will come on you. Uh, Whatever that situation is, it could be a financial hardship. It could be the fact that you got 30 days before uh, they cut off your lights or you got a few days before something is going to happen. Whatever it is, I just want you to stand right now. And I want to pray the grace of God to come on you because I really believe in in the power of God to break strongholds, that there are some things that we can do in our own strength, and there's some things God will do for us. You know, the Bible says that He gives us the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is our helper. Not our doer, but our helper. And so the Holy Spirit wants to help you, but He's going to help those who want to be helped. Anybody want to be helped tonight? Ooh, glory to God. Raise your hands together. This is why I love grace because I I realize I don't have to depend on my own strength. What I'm telling you about winning is that I want you to realize that God is is not trying to get you to win in your own power. He's not trying to get you to win in your own strength. But you have access to the divine. You have access to the power that raised Christ from the dead. You have the power from on high at your disposal. This concludes another life changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.